Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the yes. alleys. He will whoop your ass. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all me. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on uh, the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You could have, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be court side and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> Fox moving, shooting, a deflection. And it's Chris Kreider. It's number 50. There it is. They're on their feet at the garden. Here's Kako again. He scores. Hit the crossbar earlier in the shift. Kako gives the Rangers a 1-0 lead. Yeah, he was excellent. He drove the net. The line was excellent. They made some real good plays, and they, you know, they played the way they're supposed to play. Beetle with the puck. Out in front. Kako scores his second of the night. Rangers lead 2-0. Big win, and yeah, score a goal that always feels so good. Ooh, welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. That montage you just heard, courtesy of MSG Network, TNT. You heard Coach Gallant and the very outspoken Capo Caco. We got lots to do on a 50-piece nugget. Congrats to Chris Kreider edition of the podcast. The post, Larry Brooks, will join us. No guests, but lots to dive into when it comes to the blue shirts. So let's get right into it. Let's welcome in your host of Up in the Blue Seats. That would be the queen of the post, Molly Walker. And her co-host, Rangers great number 10, Ron Duguay. Well, hello, everyone. Yes, lots to talk about. And we definitely have to make a mention about Chris Kreider reaching the 50-goal mark. A lot of the discussion in the last uh, four or five years, is he only a 25-goal scorer? Can he reach 30 and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, playing under Coach Gallant in his system, he reaches 50. Congrats, Chris. I know what it was like to feed, to get to 40, how difficult that was. And to get 50, there's not many who have done it. We'll talk about that today. But in the news, it's how the Rangers continue to play. They play Carolina at home. They lost to Carolina, a game that we all felt like it was a game playing for first place. The game itself was a little bit of a disappointment for me as I watched how they played at home. Carolina is a team that could potentially just put you to sleep as they play a solid defensive type game. I felt that the Rangers playing at home didn't play with a lot of passion. They could have played a little more physical, could have been a little more engaged. They made up for it when they played against Philadelphia, play Philadelphia team that's been, well, there are a lot of players on the injury list. And so they came out and they won a, an impressive game of 4 nothing. That's always important. Whenever you lose a game where you felt like you didn't uh, play as hard as you should have, you didn't score enough goals, you played a weaker team. So the Rangers are back on track now. But it's um, it's Georgiev that was in net, and we're, we're hoping that he gets his game back before the playoffs, because going into the playoffs, if Shesterkin was to get hurt, you want Georgiev to just kind of fill in. So that was a good game for him to get a shutout. And of course, Kako's back in the lineup. Kako after an injury, it was his wrist. He came back, looked impressive. And Lafreniere, uh, for the first time probably in his career, had to sit out and watch. So lots to talk about today with Molly back uh, one more week. And Molly, it's um, it's a time where we're uh, talking playoffs now. And it, more than likely they're going to play against Pittsburgh. 
But the Rangers continue to uh, impress us and, and with the type of game that they're playing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been a good couple of weeks for the Rangers, that's for sure. Um, I mean, to clinch in the fashion that they did with nine games left in the regular season, I mean, that's no small feat. That's top five team in the league status. And I think it's safe to say that nobody foresaw this this kind of this kind of leap that they took this season it and uh one of the interesting conversations that we had with with a couple of the players is particularly Ryan Strom asked him if they stayed away from from saying that it was a mandate this season to make the playoffs they obviously didn't want to put that kind of pressure on themselves but in the organization especially after what happened uh in the offseason you know just the overturn of the front office, new coaching staff. It was a mandate. Anything less than a playoff berth would have been a colossal disappointment. And uh, I think the players and everybody in the organization from the top down knew that. And uh, Ryan Strom got into that, saying that everybody really understood that looking at their roster and the players that they have and the pieces that they have in place on top of having probably the top goaltender in the league, it was time to take a, to, to, to take that step. So um, I think everybody in that locker room is rightfully so extremely proud of themselves. Um, and it was it, it was a handed win. That is that is for sure. Um, I think that the Carolina game was Gallant said it best. It's not the end of the world. They're still in that race for first place, which is a place that I don't think anybody expected them to be. So uh, all in all, just pretty positive step for the organization. But getting down to Probably the most exciting news, Chris Kreider, number 50. Um, you just touched on it, Ron. Just how much of an accomplishment does it feel when you get to that kind of milestone? Even 40 is, is a big one. But I mean, for a guy like Chris Kreider, who refuses to talk about himself, uh, I guess, could you just shed a little light on what, what that's like as a player? Well, it's the pressure of, uh, of having to do it when you know you can do it. I, I'm sure he felt like he could do it. And uh, most analysts watching him play, the way he plays with his power speed, his ability to be able to score big goals, and we've seen that out of him right out of the gate when he first came to the Rangers, when he first came on the scene in the playoffs, where he was scoring big goals. So you thought eventually there's going to be a breakout. And it was a learning curve for him to how to utilize his speed, how to score goals, what's his best asset. And uh, we've known this about him. He's such an intelligent guy that he gets in his own way. He gets in his head. Uh, he applies a lot of pressure to himself. So it all come together. And I think uh, you got to give the coaching staff uh, some credit here where you, there are certain players you got to just let them play and not put too much pressure on them. And of course, having good teammates, that always makes a big difference. When I reflect back to my career, I kind of build up to it because my first season I scored four 20, uh, 20 goals. Then I went 27. Then I went 28. And then Herb Brooks shows up, and he was the right coach for me, just like Gerard Gallant's the right coach for Chris Kreider. He was the right coach for me to allow me to be not such a um, north and south type player where I can freely – uh, keep movement uh, and uh, play a style, a game that was suited to my style of game. And so, of course, then he gives me the right sentiment and Mark Pavlich. And it's just the same thing with Kreider, giving him the right sentiment that uh, you have a relationship. All that put together and having a good start to the season, really important. You start scoring goals and you start feeling uh, good about yourself. And it all came together for him as it did for me when I scored my 40 goals. So now he's at a place where he's comfortable. 
Now he knows he can do it. Every time you step on the ice, you look forward to playing. You don't think about, uh, about do I need to score tonight? You just go out and play. And the system, their power play uh, team is e- exceptional. And we had that when I was playing for Herb Brooks. So it's a combination of everything. I think the elephant is out of the room now. We know he can do it. And for him, yeah, he just walks. Now you can tell he has a different hop in his step. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that, you know, his his post, first of all, Larry turned to me after it happened and, and he he reminded me that I called this back a couple months ago. You could look it look it up in the tape. And in, in, in an interview with Larry, I said, I'm putting it on record now. I think that he's going to get 50. And yes, it did come to fruition. So I will be adding that to my resume. But I think that his uh, post-game press conference was was pretty funny in the sense that he was talking about how he just felt like everybody on the ice was looking for him and passing up the shot to feed him the puck. And and that, in getting to know Chris Kreider, I just feel like that was his own personal hell, truly. <laughs> like he, because like you said, Ron, he really could be in his mind a little bit. And that's something that he struggled with throughout the early seasons of his career, just putting this tremendous pressure on himself. And to have that feet, like he said that he could feel everybody looking for him. And he audibly said, I'm just happy to get it over with because obviously it's a huge milestone. And obviously all of his teammates and the way that that locker room is, is, you know, di- the dynamic of that locker room, they're all want wanting to push each other and, and you know, put each other in a, in a position to succeed. So he was just so wildly uncomfortable <laughs> that, that everybody just right. Like that's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, so Molly, I got to ask you, are you sensing that he, for me, when I scored 40, uh, Herb Brooks pulled the reins on me. He wanted me to rest for the playoffs. And I felt like, well, I want to get past 40. I want to score. I want to keep scoring. Uh, Not thinking of trying to catch another player in, in the Ranger history. But for Chris, he's in a unique position right now where he could be I believe it's uh, Yarmer Yager who has 54, so potentially has an opportunity to keep going, scoring more, and get down in record books as a New York Ranger all-time goal scorer. So do you sense that he's wanting that, or is he just kind of being relaxed and just playing? Yeah, that's just not his nature. It's just not at all the type of player that he is. Same with 50. He really... All he wanted to talk about was the fact that they lost, you know, and he didn't, he couldn't really fully appreciate getting to 50 because, you know, of the loss. And that's just how Chris Kreider is wired. He's a team first kind of guy. Um, But that's an interesting concept because I'm very curious to see how Gallant does his load management if he does load management going forward and Chris Kreider would certainly be a player on that list, but yes, that does beg the question. Do you keep a guy in just because he's chasing a franchise record or do you prioritize that he might need a game off? And, you know, I guess I'm, I'm sure that Kreider will be part of that collaborative effort. I'm sure they would hear him out and what he wants to say, but I mean, Ron, I guess this is a, a good question for you. Just what can you remember about after clinching and, you know, going 
to wrap up the rest of the regular season, knowing that you're going to the playoffs, would you rather take a rest or are you, do you want to keep playing? Cause it sounds like in talking to a bunch of the players, they all prefer to play to stay sharp and make sure that they're on the top of their game come the postseason. So just as a former player, what do you remember about go- playing these, I guess you could say somewhat meaningless games? Well, you know, the the one memory I have is when uh, we were playing against Hartford. Uh, I think the following game, we're at the end of the season, we're playing against Hartford. And it was on a Saturday night, and I believe it was in Hartford. And uh, I, I it was a mixed bag for me because he said, Herb said, listen, we're going to rest you. You just stay home, relax. And part of me wanted to play, but another part of me, I had a great party to go to at Studio 54. And I thought, <laughs> well, okay, that'll work. That's fine. <laughs> and so it... it <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in. That's my memory of having to sit down and rest. But no, you want to play. And like you said, Molly, uh, you got to be careful with resting players, especially if you're healthy, uh, especially uh, when you're on a top line playing power play, because you want to keep that momentum going into the playoffs. You start messing with that and things can go wrong pretty quick. They can get sideways pretty quick. So you don't want to you go into a game in there and you want to win every game. Right. And if you start pulling players out of the game and then you lose a couple and you're going to the playoffs. So it's a, it's a thing where you have to be very careful. So, no, you want to keep playing. You want to keep scoring. And I'll take practice off all day long. Right. And that's another thing that I want to talk to you about in Lafreniere, because uh, if you don't mind me, I, I just want to go in a different direction here because Coach Gallant mentioned Lafreniere. He sat him out and he said, well, he looks a little tired. And uh, and I can see that. But when I think about his past as a junior player, here's a guy that best player in the league. He was on the ice all the time. And I know they don't play any games. They're still playing a lot of games. So he's accustomed to being on the ice. Anyways, what, what are your thoughts on Lafreniere? Because I thought, you know, he's playing hard, he's competing hard. And this might be a nice problem to have for Coach Gallant, the fact that you're sitting a, a you know pretty good player that, to me, was playing hard and, and looked good. And uh, that's a nice problem to have when you're sitting a good player. No, it definitely is. And I, uh, you know, like I said, I'm very curious to see how he goes about that. My first thought when I saw that Lafreniere was out of the lineup, you know, I, I knew that that Gallant was going to say that it was a resting thing, you know, just trying to give him a breather. Um, and, and to a degree, I believe it. But my first thought was, if you're going to start the, you know, resting rotation, my guy, Adam Fox, should be at the tippy, tippy top of the list. That's just, that was where my mind went instantly because we've talked about it on this show. We've written about it. Uh, just Adam Fox deserves a break more than anybody else in that lineup, I think. So I just thought that if if he were to be doing this and starting it now, which I definitely think he should just you know, to give a guys a give guys a breather. And to your point about practice, they really aren't practicing a lot. I will. I'm here to tell you that they have off days more often than not. Now they're not practicing as often because the players need need a break. So practices have been few and far in between. Um, so I think that they do kind of have to consider giving top guys off and I think that they want to spread it out but was I a little perplexed that it was Lafreniere as the first one a little bit because if it were me obviously I'm not an NHL coach but just top of my list I thought Adam Fox should be first in line to get that breather um, especially against a team like Philly who is spiraling so it wasn't like they were really going to need to defend against this high-powered 
Philadelphia team at all. So that was just where my mind went. But I do believe that, you know, like you said, he hasn't played this many games in his entire career all at once. Okay, need to ask you, and I don't think I've asked you this before about Adam Fox. I'm just curious, what's it like being around him? Because he, I know he's a very intelligent person, but he seems so calm and relaxed. What's it like when you're kind of paying attention to him being around his teammates is he a jokester? Is he shy? Is he what's up with him? He, I, you know, I wouldn't say jokester. I wouldn't sh- say shy. Poised, calm, cool, and collected all the time. Very even keeled, and like you said, brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant. You know, you know when you're talking to someone that just is of a whole different IQ class. Like you can tell just in the in their delivery, watching their thoughts process and stuff and stuff. It just kind of comes out differently than I guess us normal people. Truly, he is just a very 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 brilliant mind. And um, I think that's, you know, in talking to coaches from his past and such, they all say the same thing and that the way that he thinks through the game is unlike anything that they've ever seen. It's like a combination of ice vision and just this absolute mastermind brilliance that meshes into one that makes him just this lethal weapon on the ice with the ability to make passes and see passes before they're even there. Um, so, but as a person, yeah, it, it just, you could tell immediately how, how smart he is. Um, but he's a very calm, cool and collected dude as well. He's, he's always a pleasure to talk to truly. I asked because I was, people laughed at me when I, when I, when I started to see the stuff he was doing on the ice, managing the puck decisions he was making. I said, I think he really reminds me of Brian Leach. I think he's be- he's going to become another Brian Leach. People say, well, wait a minute, Ron. Put on the brakes. Brian Leach? Are you kidding? No, I said, I'm seeing it. And sure enough, that's what I'm seeing. And his personality is also similar to Brian. Brian, very intelligent guy because I work with him on MSG. And uh, his answers to hockey and how he thinks the game, I was really impressed. It, w- it was fun working with him. So he reminds me of him. And so I, I like to think that I'm proven right that he's on the right track to be the next Brian Leach of the New York Rangers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm just excited to see Adam Fox in playoff mode. That is definitely something I'm looking forward to. But I, I mean, kind of going back to my my question before, we, t- we talked about load management for you. But what about going into games against non-playoff teams down the stretch once you're already clinched is it difficult to get up for those types of games is it difficult to you know get excited to get on on the ice against a team like Philadelphia who's just not just falling apart honestly at the seams like just what what can you remember from from that time a level of excitement because if you enjoy scoring goals and getting points and you're trying to build on that and you know that you have a team that's wounded hurting struggling uh, absolutely. I would, we would, we would, I personally wanted to add to my point totals and, uh, yeah, no, you'd be talking to your, uh, line mates, uh, about, uh, today, let's go tonight. And this is how we're going to play. And this is how we're going to, uh, so-and-so's out of the lineup and uh, let's go to the right side, left side, depending on who we're going against. Uh, no, absolutely. There was a level of excitement because most games are difficult. It's hard to score goals. And so if you have a weaker team that's struggling, oh no. I, there was, you wanted to play in those games. Right. Cause they've got, they've got a really interesting end of the year schedule. Truly you got Detroit on Saturday. It's an afternoon matinee. 
They got Winnipeg. And then they have the Islanders. Now, I think in my book that that is that should be circled on their calendar, especially after the last meeting where the Isles just absolutely manhandled them. There's really no other way to to put that into words. And obviously, for a rivalry game, I would imagine that the Rangers are are really going to want to do something about that last three to nothing game because. I mean, I remember talking about it with a couple of the other writers. It was almost like we were transported back to last season or even two seasons before that when, yeah, the I think the way Larry put it, which was really funny, was like the Islanders are like the Rangers' daddies or something like So, Molly, I, I need to – I just want to add to – I gave you my answer, but I had to add to that. Coaches don't like it because players are excited about wanting to score goals, right? And so what lacks is your defensive game. You know, the man-on-man, the defending, playing without the puck. Now, that gets a little loose, right? And that's where the coaches have to rein you in, where guys are up the ice wanting to just go offense. And defensively, you're uh, you're not you, – because the checking part of the game is not as much fun, right? Having to come back, defend. You're always looking to go, 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 go. And uh, so that's the part where you have to realize you got to play both ends of the ice and coaches are looking for that. And I can tell you, coaches are talking about that. Like Gerard Gallant, most coaches say, you got to play the right way. <laughs> right. And what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. They, 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 the cliche. Oh my God. <laughs> no, you're totally right. But you know, honestly, I will say though, in the watching the last couple of games since they've clinched, I haven't gotten that impression from that at all I mean I think there was a play I think it was last night in Philly it was either against Philly or Carolina but there was a three on two rush going the other way and Mika Zibanejad and Frank Vetrano back checked harder than I've ever seen two forwards back check in my entire career I think like and thinking about the position that they're in I mean I wonder if it did go against Philly last night I don't remember I mean either way I mean just to be playing that hard I think it was late in the game just to be playing like that that's that's exactly what Gerard Gallant wants to see from from his Rangers team I think that that's also his expectations as well so I think that that's kind of trickled down uh into the Rangers lineup because they really you know they kind of know that they proved a lot of people wrong this season and I think that they don't want to lose that so I mean it, it won't be lost because of how unbelievable this season has gone for them but I think that they want to carry it over into the playoffs more than anything you know because that's obviously where it counts so I, I am very curious to see how it all unfolds but I don't think that the Rangers have had any problem with uh the defensive end of the game and and the energy and such like that <laughs> well i would say that a message is was sent uh yes you're resting lafaniere but if you don't play hard you're not gonna play and a, a good coaching staff is aware of how players think like gerard gallant was that player right and he knows what it's like going into the end of the season whether you cleansed or not which he was on good teams and how the players manage it, coaches manage it, because you want to keep that energy up and play a certain way, play the right way, right through the end, preparing for the playoffs. So that's the talk in the dressing room as you've cleansed the playoffs, but we're going to play a certain way. And if you don't play hard, you're just not going to play. So the players are aware of that. And that's what's nice about being able to pull players out of the lineup and put other players in. Because the players that go in, like Hedl, who played, uh, he was wonderful, Right. 
and Cockle comes in, and they all want a spot on the team. So uh, the the challenge between the players themselves, I, I, I think that uh, uh, I think the guys we're going to see players playing hard. Yeah, we didn't even give Capo Caco any love in the beginning of this show. I feel like we need to mention him and his return and, and two goals last night. Really, really good for him. I mean, him and Kevin Rooney declined to elaborate on their injuries, but obviously Caco has been seen with a wrist cast and, and things like that. So there's speculation that it was a wrist injury. But because of that, he said he was able to skate the entire time. He was in the gym working out constantly. And I'll tell you, when we spoke to him at practice the other day, he looked noticeably larger. I'm not just saying that because, you know, he was talking about it, but he looked jacked. He really did. He looked like he had been in 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 the in the gym for the entire however long, 10 weeks, 11 weeks that he was out. Um, so I think that he does look stronger on the ice a little bit. Obviously, it's only been, you know, a game or two since he came back. But I think that we're going to ask Larry about this too, or at least I definitely am, just about how you get Lafreniere back in the lineup now. Because that third line with Goudreau and, and Heedle looked pretty good against, I mean, granted it was against Philadelphia, but still, they, they looked pretty good. Let's close it with a shout out to Alexander Georgiev with a shout out, Ron's favorite player. Yeah. Ron said trade him. He stayed and he shuts him out. That was hard for me to say. How'd you like that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, Jake like, said it like, for you. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, uh, we wish him well because if something happens, he has to come in. No, last game against Philadelphia, again, of course, it's a team that was, you know, they didn't have a line, full lineup. But he did make some good saves. He did look – it's probably the best I've seen him play in a while. He's looked good in his last couple of games. Better. If Igor were to get hurt and Georgia leads the Rangers to a cup, there will be a 30 for 30 on that moment. And Ron, Ron Duguay will be featured as the star of that documentary. We got a lot more to do. We still got – we got hearts beats later in the show. Hearts, I, I know you got your drums ready. So get those uh, Led Zeppelin beats ready. And uh, I know Ron's excited for that. But coming up next, we go to our resident – New York Post Hall of Fame hockey insider, Larry Brooks, right here on Up in the Blue Seats. I'm over the cold. I'm over it. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the Post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Larry, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, guys were walking around in their bathrobes like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We- it's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, welcome in Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry at NYP underscore Brooksy. Read his stories at nypost.com in the physical copy of the paper and at our great post sports 
plus. Larry, first things first, I feel like, you know, we need a Vitaly Kravtsov update. Uh, he, he Didn't he just finish uh, his playoffs? So is there a possibility for him to come join the Rangers either now in the future? What do you got for us? He's going to be in training camp next year, you know, unless, of course, he's traded. But Chris Drury had a discussion yesterday with uh, Kravtsov's agent, uh, Daniel Milstein, and they came up with a plan for Kravtsov to begin his off-season training program in Russia, not come over here and join the Rangers, but there are plans for him to come to New York early in the summer and get a head start on training camp. So, you know, it was a mutual decision. It was, it was uh, the decision not, not to bring Kravtsov over now was, um, you know, was, was part of the understanding that the parties had made early in the season when the Rangers granted him permission to play in the KHL after he left here. So, um, you know, there, there might have been a chance to bring him over, but I, I, I think that everyone believed that it was to his benefit to come off a, a really good playoff run with his club and uh, with his tractor team in, in uh, the KHL, feel good about himself and get ready for next season. I mean, there, you know, there, there seems to be a, a pretty good relationship now between the, the organization and Kravtsov and Listen, that's that can only be beneficial. Right? You know, he's a first rounder, and and whatever missteps have been taken in the past, if if he can, you know, if if he can be a productive member of this organization, it's just going to be a bonus for them. You wrote about Alexi Lafreniere getting scratched last night, and as usual, I just thought it was really interesting what you had to say about it. So, could you just elaborate on what this means for Lafreniere going forward? I'm not sure what I, I, I listen. I, I expect, fully expect, and uh, Lafreniere to be in the in the lineup the rest of the way and for Game One of the playoffs. But there's an interesting situation that the Rangers really have four players for the third line, and if Lafreniere is not on the third line, there's really nowhere for him to play if the team remains healthy. So I, I think the Lafreniere. Heedle Kako third line is is an interesting concept. I think everyone would like to see it work. It's a tough one because it's so young and inexperienced going into the playoffs, and I and and there could be matchup issues on the road. But that's what Gerard Gallant is behind the bench for to take care of issues like this. I can foresee a situation where that line starts. Barkley Goodrow starts in the middle of the fourth line, and then. As the game evolves, Goodrow might move up into the third line whenever necessary. He may come in to take face-offs because, you know, Heedle has is so weak on face-offs. He may come come into certain matchup situations. He would probably be on the third line if the team is protecting a one-goal lead late in the game. So I think there's going to be a lot of maneuvering. But I, I, I also think that Lafreniere's game has dipped over the last week to 10 days. I mean, I think it really had. And... Um, there's there's nothing wrong with 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 taking a, a step back here and there. Uh, there was so much hype surrounding Lafreniere when uh, when he was the first overall. It was you know consensus. It wasn't even consensus. It was unanimous first overall. The hype wasn't just coming from New York. It was coming from across Canada. It was coming from across the continent that the Rangers were going to have a Cantonist franchise player as their first overall. And it's taken a little time. And, and I think the way Gallant has, has moved him up and down, moved him from side to side has been very interesting. And, and uh, there are going to be decisions to, ma- to be made during the playoffs. And um, the Rangers have kind of an extra top nine guy because Goodrow on the fourth line 
doesn't really work if he's limited to seven or eight minutes a game. So there's going to be a lot of maneuvering, I think, in game by Gallant with those bottom two lines. So, Larry, having said that, how does uh, when you think about Ryan Reeves, fan favorite, very liked in the dressing room, how does he fit in as a team prepares these few games going into the playoffs and going to the playoffs? How does he fit in into that lineup? Do they keep him in because he's going to play or is he that guy, that piece that comes in and out, use him as you need him? Yeah, I think that's I, I, I think that's right, Ron. I, I I think he's a guy who will come in and out and be used as as needed. You know, it's it's interesting because teams often do a lot of experimenting in the week or two before the playoffs. You know, once they've clinched, because there's always the chance and the inevitability, really, of injuries if if there's going to be a long run, and so different combinations maybe get a try over the last week or two of the season the rangers really haven't done that except the, the rangers really haven't done that they they right now seem to have settled on a top six that includes vetrano on the right with zibanejad and cop who may be the prize of the deadline on the right side with panarin and strome and it's kind of like tinkering with third and fourth line but yeah i i do think that it's unlikely that he will be an every day player but it's kind of up to him too, right? I mean, you know, if he if he's in the lineup for game one, and I would expect him to be in the lineup for game one. I, I also think too that Reeves' effectiveness has increased over the last couple of weeks because he's fighting for a job, you know? And I think that's what internal competition does. That's what it's meant to do. And I think that's what it's done because his he has been far more visible in the last three or four games he's played than I think in the, you know, the three or four, maybe before the deadline. He is a, you know, a go-to guy in the locker room. And that's important. And, and it was actually a while ago, I, I asked him about whether he could be the same presence if he wasn't in the lineup. And he talked about how it would have been impossible for him to do that as a younger player. But now he understands that that role is important and that he can be the same kind of presence. Again, you know, you hear this a lot about teams that achieve success. You, you hear a lot about the chemistry. You hear a lot about how close the team is um, to the point where it becomes a cliche. But I do have the sense that, that this is real about this Rangers team, that there was a buy-in to the team concept, that there was a buy-in to the six alternate captain concept, that there, there is a buy-in to sacrificing here. And you know, the two accepting roles. And so I, I think that's been a part of the Rangers season. And I think Reeves has been a part of that. I think he's been a pretty big part of it. If, you know, if what everyone is telling you is, is true, and I choose to believe that it is. Well, so do I. And you can just see how they play on the ice, how they celebrate, how they come together, how they joke around, body language, all of that. And I think that you have to give credit to the coaching staff, which we have. But I want to move past the coaching staff and Chris Jury because there's talk now that uh, he's one of those guys, one of the managers that might be up for an award, general manager award. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's interesting. I I, I was thinking that you know I, I you know you read various pieces on who's going to win awards, and there's not much written about the general manager award, but there's a lot written about the coach of the year award. And whenever I read one of these pieces and I don't see Galant at the top of the list, I'm thinking, well, I don't get it. I don't get it. I think that the jury will be in contention. Uh, you know, he, he, he built the team. He built this team in a very unpopular manner. And um, he was criticized heavily 
for the construction of the team, for the Buknevich trade, for not getting a big time guy in here. I, I think people were very, there, there was a lot of skepticism about this team going into the season. And I, I think the way it has played out has certainly uh, legitimized Jury's approach. Now, has it been perfect? Could he have done better? He's his first year. He has such a, I don't even want to say he has a low profile. Low profile. He has no profile. And he's chosen that. I, I am sure that he believes that that's beneficial to, to the way he goes about his job. I'm sure he believes that keeping everything close is, uh, is beneficial to the organization. And I do think he should be one of the candidates. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time, Larry. And we'll chat again next week. All right. Have a good week, guys. He saw your wholesome side. He didn't see yeah. your, uh, your party <laughs> side as much. <laughs> All right, Ronnie, that'll wrap up episode 84, the Corey Locke edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, Jake. Uh, another good show. Uh, Andrew Hartz, the two of you for producing the show, but I look forward to this. And because we talked about this. Andrew, a drummer, and he knows some of my favorite music. And so, Andrew, what are you going to do for me? Well, Ronnie, we're going to test your knowledge. I know you mentioned a couple weeks ago that Led Zeppelin's one of your favorite bands. So I've got a couple Led Zeppelin songs, obviously famous from John Bonham, one of the greatest drummers of all time. And I'm going to play the intro to a few Zeppelin songs, and we're going to see how well you know Led Zeppelin. So, Ron, this is how we're going to do it. He's going to he's going to play the intro and then he's going to give you a drum roll and then you're going to answer after the drum roll and you'll get three songs. We'll see if you can go three for three. All right. Here's the first one. Led Zeppelin. Whoa. Drum roll, please. Uh, that, that one. That one is easy. Rock and roll. And that is correct. The symbol form is the correct answer. Bada bing, bada <laughs> I wish bang. I had hair for these songs to shake my hair. All right, he's he's one for one, Hearts. All right, Hearts beats number two, Led Zeppelin. What do we got? He got some cowbell in there. All right, drum roll, please. I, I know the song, but I'm, I'm trying to remember the. Uh, is it Good Times, Bad Times? Oh, that's correct. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Two for two. A true Led Zeppelin fan. He knows yes. his stuff. All right, for the finale, <laughs> here we go. Hearts Beats, Led Zeppelin, number three. Here it comes. That one's easy. Clapping. All right, drum yeah, roll. When Levy breaks. When Levy breaks. Yeah, love it. And he's three for three, and that's how you do it. All right, what artists are we going to do next week? Who do we got next week? We do Queen, maybe? You like Queen, Ron? I, I like Queen. I also like the Eagles. I don't know. Uh, the Eagles, there's not so much uh, heavy drums. Don Henley, of course, a great drummer, great singer. What are your thoughts on that, Artsy? I love the Eagles. I've gotten to know because I knew Glenn Fry, right? Glenn Fry was a big, big hockey fan, and I've gone to his concert. And Glenn, all I don't know if you know this, but Glenn actually wore my jersey in one of his concerts. Number 10, Duguay. And, That's pretty uh, awesome. Yeah, it is. 
And so I'm a big uh, Eagles fan, but yeah, I like a little bit of everything. Billy Joel, of course, Billy Joel in New York. You know, he was big when I first got there. So any of that stuff, whatever. Can we I do can Billy re- Joel? Hearts is Billy Joel drummable? Billy Joel's got a couple big drum ones. Yeah, that that's definitely doable. I think. All right. Ron, we're doing Billy Joel next week. That It's been determined. Hearts Beats Billy Joel edition. I'll brush up on my Billy Joel music. All righty. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to Up in the Blue Seas. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcast. You can do so on Spotify as well. You can also subscribe to Amazing But True as the Mets season has begun. Happy Pesach, everyone. Happy Passover to all the fellow Jewish people out there, and happy Easter. Hope everybody enjoys their Easter on Sunday. For number 10, Ron Duguay, Molly Walker, Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. We will return next Thursday. Just seven games left remain in this Rangers season before we continue up in the blue seats through the playoffs. Can't wait. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. I would prefer to be by the pool, but talking hockey with you guys is always fun as well.